This is episode 57 of Dead Letter Radio. As always, I'm your host, Taze, and this is the show with the slogan, Your Words, Your Podcast. Because here we feature your writing, poetry, short stories, unsent letters, everything and anything you've written down. We give it a platform, a voice, an audience, but you are the star of each and every episode. If this is your first time tuning in, and you'd like to figure out how you can have your own words featured on this show, stay tuned until the end of the episode, where I'll go over how to do so. So how is everyone doing today? At time of recording, the birds are chirping over here. It was a blazingly hot weekend, but still relatively nice. Not a bad time to stay uh, inside with air conditioning or be in the water if you're able. But I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. I know life can be very hard and stressful, especially it seems like there's always something popping up these days. Um, But hopefully this show can be a respite from all that. And hopefully your creativity can be a respite uh, from the stressful things on your mind that's weighing you down and allow you to take a deep breath. Now we have an amazing episode lined up. Uh, But, before we get into that, I was moving around my desk a bit, and I found a a fortune cookie (laughs) uh, piece of paper that uh, I forgot about, that I set aside I forgot about, because I thought it was just, I don't know, a nice little phrase, and it said, nothing happens unless first a dream. Uh, that happens, it's like almost felt like happiness, but I think it was supposed to be happen. So nothing happens unless first a dream. And I thought, I mean, yeah, and for all the things that we really want to strive for, but even going beyond that, uh, there's been times I've been motivated for creativity and writing due to literal dreams I've had uh, the night before or weeks before. I have dreams jotted down in my phone. And so I just thought that was just a nice thing to reflect, that whatever you want to achieve, you have to think about it first, uh, dream about it first, and then we can put that out into the world, especially in a creative sense. Uh, so dream. Dream big. <laughs> really shoot for the stars when it comes to your writing, your art, uh, your words, uh, and your life. Uh, because what else could you ask for? Now, today's episode is one of those ones where after I selected the pieces I wanted in it, I realized that there might be a little theme, at least setting-wise, or it paints a bit of a picture. So for this episode, episode 57, I want you to have a night full of dreams, and you wake up, and then you take a stroll into your garden, and they're ready to tackle the day and tend uh, to your land around you. So we can start with the first piece by Stephen McAteer, and it is titled, Wishful Dreaming. I strayed into a grainy scene, an old house by the sea. Some friends of mine had joined my dream, and we were having tea. We talked about a girl I knew, I never knew her well, but in this hazy summer hue, a passion on me fell. A darling we agreed she was, so I got up and went, enthralled to see her soon because my time was nearly spent. 
The sun was twinkling on the sea and dimly on the sand, and there she stood, angelically, she gently raised her hand. A wave then crashed against the shore, and with that I awoke. My summer love affair had gone before she even spoke. So thank you, Stephen, for sharing this piece with us today. Regarding their words, they said, I wrote the poem the very day after I had the dream in which it describes. I feel that some dreams put me in a great sense of joy, but also melancholy at the same time, sometimes for days afterwards. Whenever I feel this joyous melancholy, I always try to write and attempt to capture it. So here we are in the first part of the podcast, and you're waking up from this dream. First, I do want to say I really enjoyed the flow of this poem. Even visually, dreams can be very chaotic and nonsensical, and I just kind of love the feeling of things slowly popping in. You know, you're at an old house by the sea, and your friends joined you in this dream, and we're having tea. And then the conversation brings up about this girl, and you suddenly go to see her. Uh, it flows and feels like a dream without a lot of that discordance. Uh, it's just a nice natural progression, and I really enjoyed it. Now, in regards to uh, some of the background information about having that joyful melancholy, I've experienced that. I'm wondering if you guys listening in have experienced that as well. There's been dreams that I've had where maybe they're not outright romantic or so, but they're just a comforting dream. Uh, Someone that in your dream you share a connection with or emotional moment, and all in all, you feel sated, you feel satisfied and whole for those brief seconds I imagine a dream in reality lasts. And so then you wake up and it can be fleeting, it can can kind of be a downer, honestly, but it's still, uh, you're still happy with having this dream, because even though waking up for something that was so amazing and facing reality is never the greatest time, it also shows you the aspects of life that you can one day have, uh, the positives, that there's love and comfort and being satisfied and content Uh, in a relationship, and in your life as a whole. And that dream gives a hint towards what can come in the future. So it is a joyous melancholy, as you put it. Uh, But thank you, Stephen, for sharing. So now that the dream is done, uh, you stretch your legs, you get yourself a cup of tea, maybe just like Stephen's dream, and you step outside. Our next piece is by n.l.uu at Instagram, and it is titled, Plucking Petals. Plucking Petals. She loves me. She loves me not. Soon she will forget. Soon I will have forgot. The rare glare she gave, our pinky promise not. Soon she will forget. Soon I will have forgot. The night I stayed over, we shared all our thoughts. Soon she will forget but I have not forgot. So thank you, NLUU, for sharing this piece with us today. Regarding their words, they said, It's about a past relationship where she moved on and I didn't. 
where I felt that she probably didn't think of us anymore, but that's all I did. When it comes to this piece, I do really love and enjoy the the combination of what you call a child's game that you do when you pluck petals off of flowers saying they love me, they love me not. Um, but that, along with the serious weight uh, full of memories and time spent of relationships. And so it is a fun uh, combination uh, that you've put together here. So putting those two things side by side, uh, the hopefulness of love and the possibilities it brings, uh, all the positive memories of nights spent together, of pinky promises, of just enjoying one another, uh, but then it's next to that at times there is an end, the weightiness of the end, and how it lingers. And as you mentioned, NL, in your poem, the idea and the thoughts of the other person moving on, forgetting, and yet you are still stuck with these memories, these feelings, these flower petals. And just like flowers that bloom every year, these thoughts can feel like they keep coming back. That even if we feel like the other person has moved on, we can still feel stuck. And it's hard to shake, is it not? They keep plucking those petals over and over again, even if you don't want to. But, as we all know, time heals all wounds, or at least heals them enough so we can focus on other things. So thank you, NLUU, for sharing this poem with us. So next, we have a piece by Bran, and it is titled, Herbicide. I wonder when I will crack the geode that encases this hollow stone, brilliant colors subdued by expectation of interior unscathed by knife edge. My hues shine duller with every passing day, sun-bleached tattoo ink fading to dull violet lines on wrinkled skin. I cry when I think of your cutting words laced against my left arm. Bloods dance down to my fingertips. How I have disrespected this temple's consecration, soiled with sin and the aroma of dollar store wine. I find myself forgetting your meaning, the significance of flowers planted in my yard waning into fragile memories of rot and compost. I poured herbicide on you, killing the weeds shot through my soil and the traces of your grasping vines on iron rot fences. I dream someday you will bloom in my absence, roots fertilized on our love's corpse. Thank you, Bran, for sharing this poem with us. Regarding their words, they said, I wrote the poem as a sort of final farewell to my partner of three years, and to my old self that was molded by that relationship. I struggled a lot with hurting myself after everything went down, turned to a lot of unhealthy behaviors to cope. The last stanza alludes to me digesting everything fully, and accepting it, changing my perspective from one of hatred and eternalized rage 
into one where I genuinely wish that she becomes a better version of herself and finds whatever it is she wants. Well, first I want to say that, uh, Brandon, I'm happy that it sounds like you're in a better place. As we've discussed with the previous piece, sometimes the weight of a relationship can just be suffocating. It can be consuming and it can be all destructive when it ends and it can be hard to put ourselves back together. As you mentioned, we can go into unhealthy behaviors to cope or as you put it in your poem, we can disrespect this temple's consecration soiled with sin and aroma of dollar store wine. Because in the end, we are just trying to find a way to deal with the pain. If you're new to writing and listening to this, uh, poems like these are not to romanticize heartbreak and to or self-harm or anything like that, but it is capturing people's real experiences with various aspects of life and how life can be difficult, it can be hard, and no one's life is stellar all the time. We all have our ups and downs, and poetry like this shows us and shows people getting out of those downs, getting up to a better place in life, healing um, from where maybe life took a bit of a dark turn. And so, Bran, I really enjoyed uh, this piece, especially when it comes to the conclusion. You mention uh, the lines, I find myself forgetting your meaning, the significance of flowers planted in my yard. And maybe I'm wrong, but I took that as the actual positivity of the relationship, the good thoughts, the memories, the meaning behind it all. And so taking the herbicide and killing the weeds and the grasping vines that have overran the place, that negativity, negative feelings towards this relationship, the negative aspects of it. And that in the end, you come out dreaming that in your own absence, that that person would find love, they would bloom in themselves, they would find happiness in life even if it is on your love's corpse. Especially that last line, um, roots fertilize on a love's corpse. Life is up and flow, is it not? It is success and failure, it is happiness and sadness. Um, but from all things that could feel negative or an ending to something good, it can be used to nourish something positive in the end. So when one relationship ends, as painful as it may be, hopefully both parties will be able to use that experience to bloom a bit fuller and to keep improving and bettering themselves. So I think, I'm sorry you had to go through this brand, but I do really appreciate and love the message behind your poem. So thank you. Our next piece is by Matthew Hutchins, and it is titled, The Garden Where I Plant My Grief. My grandmother spent her days, knelt behind the woodshed in her yard, 
her hands making wells in soil, as they would in flour before cracking eggs. From them all things were nourished, all things could grow. When the service ended, I took a flower from her casket, a red rose already dying. It sits now atop my dashboard, a shriveled relic. Even after a year, I still want to believe that my grief could be a garden. With the first cardinal song of April, I'll reach my hands into clay, making wells, and plant a wooden rosary, a jar of blackberry jam. I will cover them with dirt and weep myself dry over their burial mounds, gentle sacraments. In June, I will pull from the earth tomatoes, squash, and snap beans, a single rose, vibrant, in my hands. Thank you, Matthew, for sharing this poem with us today. So, regarding the words, Matthew had this to say, and I do want to note, uh, usually I try to keep the background information a bit shorter when it comes to pieces, but I thought that there was so much value here for uh, people trying to figure out how to go about writing that I needed it included all. So uh, this is what Matthew had to say regarding their work. This poem came together over the course of April 2022. I undertook the National Poetry Writing Month 30 and 30 Challenge using Taylor Malley's wonderful tool, Metaphor Dice, for inspiration. In December 2020, my grandmother, Mama, passed at 92, my last living grandparent. She and my Papa kept visiting me in my journal entries on dice rolls, like Time is a Broken Promise, or Death is a Gentle Midwife. By the end of the month, I realized that several pieces that halfway fit together, as well as a phrase in my head, my grief could be a garden. So in May, I took all those rough pieces and slapped them together on one page. I took the most powerful sections where the themes were clearest and sanded it all down so they'd fit together. Then I tried it out, seeing what wasn't sturdy, what wasn't fitting, and I took it back apart and replaced the rickety pieces. It was a very blue-collar approach to writing. I've been writing that way more lately less flashes of inspiration, and more toiling the page, putting pieces together through grit and elbow grease. Before we dive into what I enjoyed and what came to mind while reading the poem, I do really want to look at uh, this background information by Matthew, because I think, especially as a new writer, but maybe sometimes we even feel this as being experienced writers, or someone who's just uh, wrote things for many years of their life and kept it to themselves, whatever position or timeline you're in when it comes to your writing experience, at times we can feel that if we don't have those flashes of inspiration, uh, that we can't get anything down, that we're hitting a wall, that we need those flashes of inspiration to be able to create and I do love this piece example from a strictly construction point of view that it's not always specifically needed in that way, that you can use building blocks from various sources and put them together and really work on all the pieces and what works, what doesn't work. I work in construction, doing concrete work, and we have to 
frame where we're going to pour. Sometimes some boards don't work, so you got to switch up the boards. And sometimes when you're actually finishing the concrete, uh, you know, it's one side is setting quicker than the other, so you got to pay more attention to some specific parts. And so it's just like that with writing. Not everything has to be whirlwind of inspiration and emotion, and you jot it down all in one night. It can take time, and it can be something that you work at and piece together. As I said, uh, Matthew said, using things like 30 and 30 challenges or other writing challenges where you write something every day and using tools like metaphor dice to get different phrases and creating poems from those and then using that culmination to come together with a piece and a message you want to share. And this message, my grief could be a garden. I think Matthew captured that well, or at least what this poem means to me well. Uh, losing a loved one, especially like a grandparent who can have so much influence on in our life, it's devastating. And then we reflect on our memories with them. As you said in your poem, uh, how your grandmother would uh, make wells in the soil. And I really like this line, as they would in flour before cracking eggs, uh, showing, at least to me, the love and comfort, but also the care and craftsmanship of her hands. Further into the poem, we have the line, Even after a year, I still want to believe that my grief could be a garden. Thinking on about things we grieve over, things that pain us, I took this line as meaning that at times we want to believe, and it's good to believe that our pain and our grief can become something better, it can be something fruitful. And so the next stanzas go on to say that you reach your hands into clay making wells and planting that wooden rosary in a jar of blackberry jam, covering them with dirt and weeping yourself dry over burial mounds. And in June, what do you get? Well, from the earth, tomatoes, squash, and snap beans, and that single rose, vibrant now in your hands. And so it's a nice at least to me, message in the end that once again, the negativity we might come across in life, and not may, we will come across in life, because there will be, as I said already, those ups and those downs, but those downs, as painful as they are, reap the positive out of it in the end. We can use our grief to become a garden. We can flourish and strive and succeed and do more than survive but actually thrive uh, so thank you so much matthew for sharing this piece with us and that's it that was episode 57 so how did you enjoy your day waking up from your dream taking a walk through your yard and your garden and yes some of the thoughts may be a bit painful to reflect on but see how far you've come how much you've grown, and that there is always positivity in the end. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to this week's episode. I'm always forever honored that you guys allowed me to read and share your words and experiences on this podcast. I know it can times can be scary <laughs> to uh, put your work out there, but I think everyone greatly appreciates it. If you enjoyed this episode and the pieces you listened to today, 
uh, share it with people. Let your friends and family know. If you know someone who maybe is struggling through things similar that is shared in this episode, or they really want to get into writing, or they've been writing but are too nervous to share it, share this episode with them. Share this podcast with them. Um, Also, if you're able, leave a review or rating on wherever you listen to your podcast, because that also helps the show reach out to more people, inspire more people, comfort more people, and maybe produce more writers in the world. If you'd like to support even further, the show does have an option for Patreon, or you can find in the link of the episode, or on any of the show's social media. We also now have a YouTube up that is posting uh, the episodes from the beginning. So slowly over time, it's going to catch up uh, with the main show, but that is able to, for people who prefer YouTube, you can listen there. Um, and if you've been following the show for a while, maybe came in a few episodes in, uh, it's an easy way while you're doing work or what have you on your computer to listen to the back catalog and catch up on some amazing pieces you may have missed. Now, if this is your first time tuning in and you'd like to know how you can have your work, your words featured on this podcast, well, it's very easy. In the description of every episode, there is an email, and that's deadletterradiopodcast at gmail.com. You can email me your submissions there, and with that I need a title. If it has one, if it doesn't, no worries. How you'd like to be credited, it can be your name, pen name, username. It can also be anonymous, as long as it's something I feel comfortable reading. (laughs) And then any possible background information regarding the piece that you might want to share it on the show. So like your reasons for writing, your writing process, your thoughts on the matter, things of that nature. So you can send that there as a PDF or Word document, Google document, and I will try my best to reach out to you. Um, But if there's no questions I have on my end, when I receive it, I may just put it on the show and then I'll reach out to let you know. If you'd like to keep up with the show and any updates or reach out to say hi, the easiest way as well, is to go on my Twitter, which is also in the link in the description. Um, but that is Dead Letter Cast, C-A-S-T, Dead Letter Cast, and that's where I mainly do any updates or communication to listeners and things of that nature, or just general banter. So I think that's everything I needed to cover. Thank you again to everyone who shared their words with us today. And thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope after this show you're able to take a deep breath. And remember, where there's negativity, there will be positivity. This is Taze Jones with Dead Letter Radio. And I'm wishing you all safe travels.